Today is Wednesday, January 10th, 2024. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. An Ohio church and pastor are facing a slew of charges for their attempts to help homeless people. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast, where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating. Send us your thoughts as well. You can email us directly. Quick start podcast at CBN.org. Joining me to get through the news of the Craig, Trey Gons Phillips, Billy Hallowell on this Wednesday. Gentlemen, how's it going? Doing well, doing well. Excited to be here. All right, all right. Happy to be here. I'm ready to roll in this hump day. Let's go. A lot to get to. A Kentucky teenager on the focus story we're going to look at starting some prayer walls in public school. What's up with that? Yeah, it's awesome to see somebody who went through her own struggle and then decided, you know, scripture helped her. So she's going to use it to help other people. So it'll be great until the uh, Billy's Freedom from Religion comes, yeah. Foundation. <laughs> yeah, Billy's BFF start coming after her. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, looking forward to the details there. I mean, I would consider that one, as, especially now without the conflict, a positive one. So looking forward to the details there. Yeah. Also on the main thing, as I mentioned, we got this Ohio pastor uh, reportedly facing criminal charges for violating these zoning laws. Billy, what's the deal here? Yeah, it's, it's a wild story. He's keeping his church open 24 hours a day. And that means people are coming in at all hours and that the homeless are coming in. And apparently the authorities are not too happy about it. Wow. That is, it's incredible when these, we've had a couple stories like this over the years. Billy, I think it was you that interviewed one um, grandmom who was out there making food for people that were hungry. And then she got grief, but just kept doing it anyway. So it's amazing when this happens, when people can't just see the good that they're doing and kind of like wink, wink, nod, nod to the laws instead of trying to enforce them. But we'll get in to all of the details there. And I want to remind you about our new podcast, the Newsmakers Podcast, our daily podcast we just launched where we've got full interviews each and every day. Make sure to subscribe to that. The link is in the description of this podcast episode. And I also wanted to mention our DC Debrief podcast with John Stoltness, who he's taking a look once a week, new episode every Friday. We'll also have the link to this one. And John is kind of recapping everything that's happened in DC that week. And it's just a non-biased, just straight look at here's what's happening. So you don't get all the spin. You just get the straight uh, news as to what is going on and what is happening in DC from, from both sides. So it's it's uh, it's a great podcast. So make sure you're subscribing to both of those. These are all CBN news podcasts. And so we're going to, um, you know, you can, you can check out all of those and we'd love for you to join us on all of those podcasts. All right. We are going to head now to the news in 90 seconds. U.S. Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, returned to Israel yesterday on his tour of the Middle East. And this visit comes as Israel and the U.S. are currently debating the fate of Gaza, what happens after the war when it eventually ends. Yesterday morning, Blinken met with Israeli President Isaac Herzog and then Prime Minister uh, Benjamin Netanyahu as well. And before arriving in Israel, he talked with reporters and outlined what he says leaders in the region agree on about Gaza's future after the war, that, and that is, that is Israel must have peace and security, but he also said that the West Bank and Gaza should be united under Palestinian-led governance, and that is something that Israel does not 
agree on. And so that conversation is going to continue and we'll keep covering it on CBN News. And Florida Baptist missionaries say God is moving among the churches and people in Cuba as nearly 5,000 people reportedly gave their lives to Christ during a missionary trip to the communist nation in early December. Eight Florida Baptist leaders recalled how the hand of God moved during their evangelistic outreach and preaching. They said this trip in many ways changed my life. This was according to Manuel Barahona, a pastor of Westside First Baptist Church in Boynton Beach. He said the church in Western Cuba is alive and well. All I can say is praise God. Those are just some of today's top headlines. Go check out more over at cbnnews.com. Guys, this Cuba story, super interesting. Obviously, a dictatorial regime here. Cuba has, it's on the, um, it, it's risen and rising on the 2023 world watch list of Christian persecution. Um, clearly a communist government, you got a dictator in there. They, they It's very closed off. Um, and the fact that faith is surging and alive and well there is is really remarkable. Yeah, no, it is. But we often see that in these circumstances, yeah. right? When, when you see elevated persecution and issues increasing, you hear reports of revival, which is kind of fascinating around the world to see that. Yeah, I think it's it's just a, a, a instance where God often shines his or, or shows off his power and his ability to uh, bring people and draw people toward himself, that there's nothing that humanity can do to, to thwart the, the expansion of the kingdom of God. So uh, it's really cool to see that happening in real time, whether it's you know somewhere in the Middle East where we're often hearing these kinds of stories uh, or in Cuba. It, it's great to see that despite persecution, despite really living in, in kind of a impoverished area that the Lord is still doing work to bring people to himself. That's encouraging. Yeah. yeah. And I think one of our blind spots we have here in America, and this is just something that I, that I've observed over the years. And one of our blind spots is our prosperity relative, right? Yeah. I'm not saying everybody's rich. I'm just saying compared to the rest of the world, we have it really, really good in general. And so I, I think we have a tendency to rely on ourselves and we think we are all good on ourselves you know, that we're doing it all. And like, that's just kind of subtly the message we get from all of that prosperity and everything that's going on. It's just, I think it leaves a blind spot. And so when you get thrust into a situation where your daily needs are kind of up in the air, you, you really, your dependence on God is more pronounced and it's more clear. And so, um, you know, again, not saying that Hey, we should all just be poor so we can see God better. But it is it is something that I think happens in those situations. You just see your need for God more when you don't have all of these creature comforts that we have here in America. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, it puts things in perspective and it makes you feel a little bit convicted as well as yeah. you sort of, you know, ponder right. it. Right. How somebody yeah. else could be so great. I mean, because you see this time and time again. You see these people turning to God in this story in Cuba. I saw it firsthand in Haiti. I saw people in just just unimaginable poverty, but yet still having a joy and a faith. And that's confounding. It really is challenging and convicting to watch that unfold. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important to remember that the, the things that we have in this life are, you know, especially if we living in the United States in the Western world, we're blessed with a lot of, of prosperity and opportunity. Even the poorest person is richer, richer than the, the yeah. poorest people in a lot of other developing and obviously undeveloped countries. So remembering that those are extras, right? That they're blessings, but we don't need them at all. That's not what sustains us uh, through, through any of life's trials and, and circumstances. It's, it's the Lord. But I think those things, at least for me, often cloud my judgment and cloud my ability to realize the only reason that I'm okay is because the Lord has chosen to allow me to be, has sustained me uh, through things. It's not because of, of anything that I've done. Yeah. Um, and, if, and, you know, anything that I have done, by the way, is is just the Lord's grace, right? He's allowing us to work. He's allowing us to, to buy things, to provide for ourselves. Uh, those are provisions that the Lord is allowing us to have, you know, yeah. without his sovereign uh, will, we wouldn't have those things. Yeah, no doubt about it. And if you want to read more on that story, I'm going to have the link here in the description of this podcast episode down below to the article on cbnnews.com that talks about all the details going on there in Cuba and the efforts, the recent efforts uh, there to spread the gospel. All right, we're going to head on over to the focus story now. Kentucky teen started prayer walls in her school as we mentioned at the top of the podcast here. So, Trey, what what motivated this? What started it all? Yeah, so her name is Sophie Jones. Uh, she's a senior at uh, Whitley County High School in Kentucky. And after struggling with her own mental health issues, um, she decided, look, I know there are a lot of kids my age who are dealing with anxiety, who are dealing with depression. I'm sure many who are, are, are dealing with difficult uh, home situations. She even said in a local, in an interview with a local media outlet, uh, that there were several kids uh, at the high school that she goes to who were dealing with uh, suicidal thoughts, suicidal ideation. That's something that that has kind of been a presence uh, in in her school, and obviously mental health is something that needs to be addressed and needs to be treated, but I think the secular world often uh, ignores, um, and to their detriment, the spiritual component there. I think a lot of it is just the fact that we live in a dark world and we need the love of Christ, we need the truth of the gospel and God's word uh, in order to pull ourselves out of that because it's the Holy Spirit that's doing the work of redemption, right? And and so uh, Sophie just realizes that in her own life is something that was encouraging to her was when she started you know, dealing with the things that she was dealing with and then turning to scripture as kind of the answer to those uh, situations that we're all faced with at different times in our life. That ended up being a huge encouragement to her. And she thought, uh, well, you know, I've seen this trend actually on social media of people starting prayer walls in their schools and their community places. So she actually decided with a couple of friends uh, to go into the bathrooms, the girls' bathrooms at her schools and on the mirrors and on the walls right around the, the sink. So as kids are, are washing their hands, uh, they can look at all these Bible verses and, and reminders. You know, they say, Jesus loves you uh, or, you're, you know, you're going to get through this or I'm praying for you, uh, you know, things like that. And, and they've been a huge encouragement not just to Sophie, but also to her classmates. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I'm thinking about that, you know, and she's got it up in these schools. Have there, has there been any kind of documented response of like how people are receiving this? What are the classmates saying and anything else, any other kind of reaction? 
Yeah, she said that she was doing it just to, quote, help spread God's word. That was her uh, her initial encouragement because she said, quote, God saved me uh, from her own her own issues uh, that she was dealing with. And she said that there have been several students who have told her that it was really encouraging. One of her friends, her name is Evelyn, uh, who helped uh, start these prayer walls. Uh, she said that she saw a young female student uh, who was walking around with a yellow sticky note that had a Bible verse on it. And she knew that that obviously came from a prayer wall. And she said it just made her day to see someone else being encouraged by those Bible verses because uh, Sophie, Evelyn, the others who've been behind this prayer wall have been not only encouraging people to add to the wall, but also if something is particularly encouraging to one of the students for them to take that uh, note down and they can keep that with them as an encouragement, as a reminder, uh, or she's also been encouraging, look, if you see a Bible reference and you don't know what it is, write down the Bible reference or pull out your, pull out your phone uh, or your Chromebook because all the students at the school are given Chromebooks uh, and Google what the Bible reference is and, and see, you know, see what the scripture passage is. So it's been a good way to start conversation as well as encouraging some of the girls who who see these in the bathrooms. Yeah, I was going to say this is prayer is kind of one of those things that is an underrated evangelistic tool because it's an easy way to just say and people appreciate prayer even if they're not believers. You say, "Hey, I'll, I'll pray for you. I'm going to pray for you." And that's going to, you know, you can follow up with that, right? And you can yeah. how's it going? What has happened since then? And it's just going to open doors, like you said, Trey, to, I think, conversations um, that, you know, hey, well, why does, why do certain things like this happen? Why do bad things happen? And you can start talking, you know, through that, even in your prayers or, um, you know, in response to the prayer. So I think, I think it's a great, uh, a great thing all around. Obviously, anytime somebody's adding prayers, it's always good, but particularly cool here in this school, in this particular setting. Yeah, it's cool to see that it's in a, a public school too, that it's something that, that, not just other Christians are going to see. It's great that non-believers are going to be exposed to this in a really positive way and hopefully have a positive interaction with faith and with prayer and, of course, with Christians. Uh, and they're part of, so Sophie and her friend Evelyn are part of First Priority, which is a student-led organization that has a chapter at her school. Uh, and Todd Lawson, he's the director of their chapter, he said he's been really proud of the initiative that these these two girls have taken on. He said, with prayer and God, that's the only answer that we've got. That's our only hope. He said, I may not feel important at home. I may not feel important to a teacher. I may not feel important to somebody at all times, but God loves us. And there's nothing more important than that. Uh, and then Sophie said, prayer to me, it makes me feel loved. So uh, it's been really encouraging to see that, I'm sure, for a lot of the students at her high school. Yeah. Now you mentioned uh, this Freedom From Religion Foundation. Is there any indication <laughs> that one of these groups, these atheist groups, is seeing this and going, wait a minute, can't have all that prayer on campus? Well, so the initiative actually just started late last year. It was mid-December that Sophie decided to put up this prayer wall. And the stories are, there have just been a couple stories that have been trickling through. Uh, and they've just come in this new year. So I, the year is still young, Dan. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure that Freedom from Religion Foundation, as soon as they hear about it, will be sure to send their letters. Yeah, yeah. Let them catch up, Dan. Give them <laughs> right. Well, yeah. I don't want them to. I mean, I'd rather they not. I'd rather just leave it alone. We'll but. see, though. Maybe they won't. I don't know because this is completely student-led, and there doesn't seem at this point to be any teacher involvement whatsoever. Yeah, uh, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll, we'll see, see what happens. Well, usually, what happens is the way they get their foot in the door to complain about these sorts of things is when they 
what they'll say one person, a concerned citizen emailed in and it's like, right. Yeah, sure. They did. Sure. They did. So, uh, but anyway, yeah. So that's a great story. It's encouraging though. Yeah, it is. It's a really great story. I'm, I'm mostly just joking about that. I mean, I'm hope it doesn't happen, but, uh, it is, it's great to see this and obviously should be allowed in school. And, uh, you know, you hope to see more of it, but appreciate you putting that one on, uh, the podcast radar today, Trey. And that is going to lead us over to the main thing now. An Ohio pastor is reportedly facing criminal charges for violating these zoning laws and housing the homeless. Pastor Chris Avell and First Liberty attorney Ryan Gardner joined Billy to discuss this legal case and what's going on here and, and everything uh, surrounding it. And that's today's main thing. Pastor, you are facing 18 criminal charges for violating your city's zoning laws. And so we'll start there. Can you tell us what led to this? Well, uh, we opened in, I believe it was March, we opened our doors 24 seven. Uh, so we decided as a church, um, it, it, again, from the beginning, uh, before we had uh, opened the church, this was the vision to eventually open 24 seven. And in March, um, just through some things God had done and what we were seeing, we decided that was time. It was time to do it so that people can come in day or night and and find true rest. Come in and pray at any time of day. Um, that some we there we had been also getting a lot of calls from the uh, city, like the police. We get calls all time two, three in the morning. Um, maybe someone had a domestic dispute and they needed somewhere to cool off or, or something like that. And so um, this was a way we could assist that. And so we opened up 24 seven and, uh, and that kind of led into, um, the violations, which I can, again, let Brian talk about that, but, uh, yeah. Can I ask you this? Cause it's interesting. You mentioned there that the police, you know, would even call you for help because here's this church, this center where people can come, as you were saying, to cool off, or if there are homeless people looking for refuge, especially in cold temperatures, this becomes a place. And I know that you opened 24-7, I believe, in the summer, uh, but now we're moving into these colder months. If the police were calling and they're you know, forwarding people to you, now, you, now you've run into a problem with the authorities here, it sounds like. And so it's, it's interesting, and we can talk about that in a moment, but when it comes to what you've seen over the last few months as a result of being open 24 hours, what are some of the um, positive developments you've seen in the community as a result of what you've been offering there? Well, first and foremost, uh, from my perspective, uh, we've seen many who, if we were not open 24 hours, it, this wouldn't happen. Many come to faith in Christ. I mean, we're a church, so that's our thing, right? Is is sure. faith in Christ and following Christ and and so for us, that's paramount. It's interesting to me, Ryan, that the police are calling, and I don't know that it's if it's the same police officers or the same departments, calling and, and forwarding people there and asking for help, and now there's a legal problem with the authorities. Can, can you explain, legally speaking, what is going on here with the zoning laws? It's a head-scratcher for me as well. Here, the police were referring people to Dad's place, and everything was okay until it wasn't. And what happened is in November, they got a letter saying that they had to shut their doors and had to put these people with nowhere else to go on the streets. And you've heard the pastor talk about these people and his love for them, and he just couldn't do that. 
And so when he kept operating this ministry, help care for the most needy and hurting in his community, the city came down on him with 18 criminal charges. And I'll say that the criminal aspect here is highly unusual. In fact, I've never seen anything like this. I've seen cities come after churches in the civil context when it comes to zoning issues, but to try to hold a pastor criminally liable and even put him in jail for simply well, what, are, what is the, the jail homeless. time on this? What is the jail time potential on? Like, let's say he's found guilty of all 18 of these charges. I believe that each charge carries like a six-month jail time option plus a fine on top of that. So depending on how, upon how aggressive the prosecution wants to be, you're talking about 18 counts. I mean, it, it could be six months. It could be a year. It could, if they really want to try to be aggressive, it could be multiple years. And the prosecution you- has, has said that that every day that he continues to keep his doors open is another violation. And so more charges could very well be coming in the future. And are the doors currently open as we're speaking still, Pastor? Yes. So just, I I don't want to be overly specific on this, but I think it's an important detail. Are the same authorities, the same departments that were calling and, and connecting people to you, are they the same ones who have now been tasked with coming after you? Yes. What Ryan, what do you think it is that changed? I mean, there wasn't a lot of time. I read, I, I did read a quote from an authority who had said, oh, there was plenty of time for them to make the changes and the updates that we asked for. But if I'm not mistaken here, this, you, you opened this over the summer, this, you know, you, you found out about these charges in, no, in November, that, that's not a lot of time. So Ryan, can you speak to that a little bit of what you think maybe changed in that time frame? It's hard to say exactly, but it seems to me that somebody in the city is hostile to this ministry and doesn't want it there. And, and maybe we're looking at a situation where a city official is, is thinking this, this is a not in my backyard kind of situation. And y- you, can, you can do your ministry, but you just can't do it right here. That's an inconvenience for us. But the First Amendment protects the right of dad's place to operate his ministry wherever God has called us to do so. And in this case, God has called dad's place to operate exactly where it is. And as you can, as you've heard from the pastor's stories, God is working there and dad's place just wants to continue operating and continue helping. The city, frankly, should be walking alongside them and and helping them to accomplish this goal because these people have nowhere else to go. And if the church doesn't step in, who's going to do it? So, Ryan, one more question for you on this. What are the specific things that the city is, that the authorities of the city is asking for? And are they things that could easily be done? If they were to be done, would this go away? Just kind of take us through some of those details. As I understand, the only thing that's going to make the city happy is if they put those people out on the streets and and get them out of the church. There is no remedy short of that. There is is no sort of tweaking something here and there to comply with fire code from what I understand. What the city wants is for people to stop sleeping in the church, eating in the church, and doing their laundry in the church. Those are the three things that the city officials have highlighted over and over again in each of the city charges. Sleeping, eating, washing clothes, which really just goes back to caring for people with needs, meeting both their spiritual and their physical needs. Uh, Pastor, you know, 
What was your initial reaction when this went from, hey, we're forwarding people to you, hey, this is a great community thing, to suddenly having this you know, relationship with the authorities that was very different from that? What was the initial reaction you had to that? Humiliated. I was humiliated. I, I said it before um, because I first, I first found out the criminal charges came uh, because uh, a, a colleague, let's say a, fe- a fellow pastor, contacted me and said, hey, what's going on with dad's place? And I was embarrassed because I said, I don't know what you're talking about. And he goes, well, it's on the front page of the paper. You've been charged with 18 crimes. And I hadn't read the paper. I had been served. And, and so I, I, you know, I, it came as a shock to me. So it's quite humiliating and embarrassing, um, you know. But then, of course, if I can be frank, uh, it's a blessing because I truly believe what Jesus says and that's follow him and there's going to be persecution. And that's a blessing. And uh, my responsibility is to respond with the grace of Jesus, you know, um, to love my neighbors well, um, to, to remember my battle is not against flesh and blood, um, to step aside and allow uh, my counsel like Ryan and the others who are involved to do their job and uh, to be patient and wait on the Lord as he works through even the courts. I believe that God works even through the courts. And, and uh, you know, I, I can frankly say that um, the persecution that has come has done what God promises. It's, it's only served to advance the gospel. All right, Billy, thanks for that conversation there. That is a wild story. And uh, one, I hopefully, hopefully they get to the bottom of that and clear this up because obviously they're just trying to help. Yeah, no, it's it's it is a crazy story and it makes you wonder how some of these laws, you know, shake out. But the one part that just stood out to me and you heard me kind of mention it a few times, are, are these the same cops that were forwarding people to you? Like what what changed <laughs> right. that that I'm really interested to hear why suddenly this was a danger when they were allegedly sending people there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure we'll get more details in the coming days and so we'll look forward to the updates there certainly praying for their situation. All right. That's going to leave us with time on the podcast for one last thing. We're going to look at Psalm 105, verse 1. It says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. You see that a lot in this psalm. Giving thanks. Praise the Lord and call upon his name. So a good reminder there as always. And that is where we shall leave it on this edition of the Quick Start Podcast. As always, get on over to cbnnews.com and faithwire.com for more news from a Christian perspective. Lord willing, and that creek don't rise on us. We shall, it's raining a lot. We shall return tomorrow. God bless. See you then.